And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us on the program. We are going to just jump right into our uh, our guest and our, our subject matter for today because I think it's very important because it affects all of us because any one of us, <laughs> and some might even say all of us, may end up in this situation regardless of age. But we're going to talk about the issue of homelessness, but from a very particular perspective. That's right. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of the youth of our country in particular. We're going to discuss an organization. It's called Doors of Change, and we are with the president of Doors of Change, Jeffrey Sitkoff. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Thanks for having me, Richard. We appreciate it. This is probably... <laughs> ranking right up there with uh, trying to solve the problem of nuclear proliferation uh, that we face in our time. And this has been going on not just for decades. Obviously, there have been people who have been homeless over the centuries, uh, depending upon which country and which era, which century and so forth. But we're not going to talk about all of that because we're talking about the here and the now. And there are people out there on the streets, young people. What ages are we really focusing on that, that uh, Doors of Change really focuses on? It's called transitional age youth, the Tay youth we call them, from 17 to 25 years old. Okay, so we've all been there. Those of us who are over 25, we've all been in that age group. And it can get very scary especially if you come from, and maybe I'm wrong about this, Jeffrey, correct me, especially if you come from an unstable home as opposed to a stable home. Why would you, why would you leave a stable home setting and so forth? And that's not always the case where you leave. Sometimes you're forced out. Talk to us about the people that are on the streets today, the young people in that age group. Sure. That age group, they don't want to be homeless. Because, you know, for one day on the streets, okay, after that, it's very difficult. It's very dangerous. Uh, the problem is, is that they get kicked out of their house if they're LGBTQ kids. 40% nationally of the three and a half million homeless youth in America today are LGBTQ. We see about 60%, Richard, of our youth that we work with are LGBTQ. But also, if they just come from very dysfunctional families, their parents are alcoholics, their parents are drug addicts. It's not safe for them to be in the house. It's actually safer for them to be outside and in their house, which is pretty sick. I can agree with that. I am, I guess, uh, one of the fortunate ones. Uh, I grew up in uh, a rather fine middle-class uh, home. Um, not quite Norman Rockwell, mind you, but pretty close. Uh, didn't have any real estrangement uh, in the family. Uh, we certainly do come from different perspectives. Uh, I found that out uh, when I went back to Phoenix for my sister's uh, my sister's uh, memorial. But you know what? They're still my siblings. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I set that aside. And we're all adults now. We're all making our own living. So we're kind of, I don't know. I don't know if you want to say we're safe. But the thing that we hear often, uh, Jeffrey, is that our children are our future. Now, usually that's referring to the younger set, even below, you know, like, you know, the single digit years, maybe the preteens and teen years. Uh, 
But the reality is, is that it's the people that are growing up from 17 to 25. They're being formed. Their, their, their perspectives are already being formed by the way in which they're living their lives. And more and more of these kids, uh, if I can refer to them as kids, I'm 61, so I guess I can. Um, they're supposedly our future leaders. And we've heard the great uh, success stories. Uh, I know you have, Jeffrey, of yes. people who uh, have have uh, lifted themselves up by their bootstraps, and they've they've uh, uh, you know they've come out of this and so forth. But there are a lot who don't, and don't survive. What's the, if I might ask, if you have any statistics on this, what's the mortality rate of this age group on the streets? Well. What, what I can say is this, is that the, the biggest reason these youth are on the streets, once they're on the streets, is they don't trust anybody, Richard, and they don't ask for help unless they trust you. So it's very hard for them to get off the streets when they don't trust anybody. And mm -hmm. so the biggest thing is you have to create trust very quickly with them. It usually would take six or nine months to develop trust with typical outreach in the United States. It's six or nine months. That's too long because they dry of drug overdose, of suicide or of gang violence. Those are the three biggies that take them. And so what we found is that music and art is the key to building trust very quickly. I brought a blues group into the shelter for one night. This is 20 years ago. The kids were so excited about that blues group. They were jumping around, having a great time. I said, I'm going to, these kids love this music. The next day, I started the music and art program. It's been going for over 20 years. And we find that's our secret sauce, Richard. As far as how many mortality rate, I don't know what that is, but I do know that we'll save a lot of kids. We can develop trust quickly with them. We give them hope that they can be in an environment that's safe, number one. They don't have to worry about, you know, being jumped or whatever when they're in our class. We have an award-winning music in our program. They keep coming back. We had 8,300 visits to this program from transitional age youth because they felt safe and they you know learned one of eight instruments and they actually we incentivize them because they feel bad about themselves they've been told that they're a piece of garbage they're going to rot in hell they've been told all this stuff by their parents but yet when they learn it in a guitar or mandolin a ukulele a violin when they learn a couple chords and they can actually master something for the first time it really helps their self-esteem. It's like, whoa, I can do something. I was told I was garbage, but look, at I'm actually able to play the mandolin or the ukulele or whatever it is. And so that's the beginning of them starting to trust and also starting to have more self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And we, by the way, we give them incentive that they come for six classes. They can earn. We don't give it to them. They have to earn it, an instrument of their choice or art supplies. And five, almost 453 youth earn instruments already and when we give it to them, they cry, they hug us, they say, no one ever comes through with their word. You said you were going to do it. You did it. I, no one does that. So, you know, we, we're teaching them how to, how to live with integrity, how to live, mm. you know, to get be successful, how that people do care for them, that with hard work, they can succeed. We've had many youth succeed at high levels because they, you know, they've taken our hand up and really, really used it. You know, that goes right to the heart of what you just said a few moments ago, trust. And uh, when one gives one's word, our systems, our institutions, even to us adults who are over 25, um, 
don't trust the institutions, whether it's governmental, educational, religious, economic, and the list goes on. You just, just when you think that you are following all the rules and, uh, uh, you know, and all of that kind of thing, and then somebody else doesn't follow the rules and they get, it seems like they get away with it. And then it's like, okay, well, what the heck? Why, why shouldn't I? And I, I, and granted, I am a very optimistic person, Jeffrey, very optimistic. I like to think that there's, there's a, as one, one of our programmers loves to use the song, there's a better day coming. I'd like to think it were today. But I, I shared with someone in a moment of, I guess you might say, some frustration, anxiety, despair. As a 61-year-old, we've heard about all of these people getting, uh, getting arrested and caught up in the judicial system who actually were innocent. And I told this one guy, says, you know what? If that happened to me, I just throw up my hands and take me. I got three meals in a cot. I don't care anymore. I won't have to pay taxes. I won't have to worry about bills. I'll have a place to live. I Hopefully, I live to a ripe old age in there. I won't get to do my podcast and my program and interview people like you. But you know what? I'm just... And it was just a moment of frustration. That's got to be where a lot of these kids are. It's like, what's the point? You know, I'll go ahead and take that cocaine or smoke that thing that could very well, and we have a big problem in this country, have fentanyl in it that will kill them now. And I'm guessing there are a lot of people like that, aren't there? Yeah, fentanyl is a real issue now in the streets. It used to be heroin, meth, now it's fentanyl. And, and when these kids take the drugs, the higher drugs, you know, they're so out of it, you can't really work with them. Yeah. But um, thank goodness that uh, we keep hope alive with a lot of kids. We've actually helped over 10,000 youth over 20 years and 2,300 of the youth, we got into housing, long-term housing and self-sufficiency. So those are the youth that we really focus on is who wants to help themselves? Who wants to have a better life? It's going to have... You know, it's going to cause a lot. You're going to have to work hard. But if you work hard, you can succeed. And I've got some success stories that, you know, I think it's important if your listeners will hear or see a success story, they can say, hey, listen, it is possible. These kids, because by the way, they're the most underfunded of the whole homeless population, the transitional age youth, but they're the most likely to succeed of breaking the cycle of homelessness because they haven't been on so long. You know, they haven't been so bad for so many years on the streets with alcohol, drugs, or, um, you know, just uh, mental illness. And so we see the biggest successes in this age group, 17 to 25. You know, uh, that's very interesting, and I want to continue this conversation. We're talking with Jeffrey Sitkov. He is the president of the organization down in San Diego called Doors of Change. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the continuation here of uh, uh, T-A-Y. T uh, and and uh, that acronym, tell me once again, that acronym stands for, you just said it and I should have remembered it. <laughs> it's, it's Transitional Age Youth. Transitional Age Youth. 25. And 18, 17 to 25. And uh, we're talking again with uh, Jeffrey Sitkov. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. We are bringing you new paradigms for a new world here on the program. We're trying to give you choices and knowledge of those choices. And um, the Tay Group that we're talking about here, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Sitkov is my guest. They don't think they have a lot of choices, do they? Other than just the street. 
Yeah. There really aren't a lot of choice for them because they have such abuse. For instance, Justine, when she joined, when, when she went on the streets, she was 12 years old. What would a 12 year old girl be going on the streets? Because her mother was an alcoholic. Her mother's boyfriend was used to beat her up, drag her by her hair, and then he t- started taking her clothes off. And when he started taking her clothes off, she goes, I've got to leave. And she went on the streets. She actually shaved her head, Richard, joined a gang, was with a gang for four years. When I met her, she was on suicide watch for six months, which is very long time for a 16-year-old. She wouldn't even look at me in the eye for two months. But she said, after two months, she said, I want to learn how to play music. She looked at me for the first time in my, I'll never forget, it was 20 years ago. We started our music program with her. And then she said to me, can I go into the expressive arts program? And when we did that with her, she soared like an eagle. She didn't realize she had any art experience or any talent. She became so successful in her art, she started making jewelry. And that was her ticket to pay for her housing and her school for 10 years. And this is when she started actually looking feeling better about herself. She was 16 years old, okay? And you can see she actually is dressed in black. She was always dressed in black. But through all the, you know, working hard of making her jewelry, going out and selling it, going to school, et cetera, she went to City College. Then she went to Santa Barbara, University of California at Santa Barbara, graduated magna cum laude. And now she's in law school, okay? Wow. She's 32 years old she's in law school. And she's got two semesters left and she's done as an attorney. Wow. That is one heck of a turnaround. And she made those choices. Nobody made those choices for her. However, somebody, your group, Doors of Change, gave her the opportunity to make new choices. And it seems as though music and we've talked about this many times on this program, is it's like a portal to a better life. It doesn't mean you're going to be a rock star making millions of dollars, but it it sort of opens up your soul. Now, I don't know about you, Jeffrey, but I have been involved with music all of my life. My parents instilled it in us. We used to uh, Christmas carol around the neighborhoods every year. It's a family of eight here, okay? So we had a choir. Uh, I was a part of a musical group in grade school and in high school. I uh, joined a, a chorus group here in Santa Barbara. My my sisters, all musical. Uh, my eldest sister, who just passed, uh, had asthma as a child. What What instrument do you think she took up? The French horn. Who does that? Who takes up the French horn that needs air? Who has asthma? She actually made second chair French horn in the Scottsdale Symphony Orchestra, probably 2014, 2015. That's how good she was. Um, Music seems like it is, it's like it's the key. And yet we seem, especially in our educational system, to push kids away from music. If the budget's too tight, what gets cut? The music and so forth. Um, tell me about tell me about uh, uh, some of the other success stories. Give us give us at least one more before we uh, pause here for another piece of information. Uh, as far as someone who was introduced to music, and I will also ask: Is there a 
uh, an opportunity for them, not just to play music, but maybe even to write their own song. Uh, it seems like the songs that really resonate with people are those that come from one's own heart and soul and life experience. Sure. Yeah, these, these youth um, can write their own songs. They played in, 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 our, in our group, you know, with several of the youth in our program for many, many years. Um, but I'll share a story about Tyler. So Tyler right here, have your set kid, was homeless from 12 to 16 also because his mom was a meth addict. She loved him, but she was a meth addict. So she went through all of her money. He lived under the pier from 12 to 16 years old by himself. Mm. And, you know, when we finally found him and he came into the shelter, the first day he came in, we actually had the music program that night. It was Tuesdays and Thursdays. It was a Tuesday night that he came in and we gave him a guitar in his hand for the first time, never played it before. After that one class, Richard, he did not let the, the guitar out of his hand for two and a half months. He literally went everywhere he did around, walking around, he had that guitar with him. He just loved it, just kept, you know, playing it or whatever. And, uh, you know, that really helped his self-esteem. And what happened is he came to me and said, I want to learn how to be a security guard. Will you pay for my guard card? It was $400 at the time. He was such a giver to other youth that he actually taught them guitar. You know, he came back there for he got out of the shelter and actually showed kids how to do guitar took him two hours one way to get there each way as a volunteer to come back to teach other youth that were homeless. We got him the guard card. He actually started, uh, he joined a elite security, which is the largest security system in San Diego. They have 2000 employees. He went up to scale, just kept uh, just getting better and better and better, became a supervisor. And then a, a supervisor, supervisor. He was in charge of the Del Mar Fair. They have a huge fireworks on the 4th of July. He was in charge of the fireworks. OK, hmm. this guy continued to do well. He was honored at Petco Park, where the Padres played for employee of the year in front of twenty five thousand people. That's 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 him. I got a picture. Let me show you. All right. We're talking with Jeffrey Sitkov. He is the president of uh, the Doors of Change, Doors of Change dot org. There's Tyler again, a little older. Mm hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so those are just a couple stories. And, you know, if people are touched by this, Richard, if they don't take action, it doesn't mean a damn thing. So if you're touched by this, please go to our website, doorsofchange.org. Doors is plural. Doorsofchange.org. Look at the different videos of the kids speaking and telling their stories. Look at the, the musicians that have backed us. Elton John, Billy Joel, Santana, Springsteen, The Who, The Eagles. All these groups have 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 signed memorabilia for us because they believe in our vision and what we're doing and make a donation. Mm. Whether it's $10, $20, $100, we have a thing called the angel team that for, for $11, and one one means angels. So if you, for $11 a month, it's $132 a year. You can give automatic payments and you become part of the angel team. The California Angels gave us that to be able to trademark. We trademarked the name Angel Team. We're the only organization they've ever left through with that name because it had to do with homelessness for youth. Mm. So, um, you know, I just want to remind people that we're educating them about this issue. If you're touched, please help us so we can get more kids off the streets, especially during COVID, because we actually are helping twice as more kids now than we did before COVID. 
We, we, in 2020, we, we put into housing 83 youth. Last year, 161 youth we helped house and get off the streets. So, I mean, that's double the amount of kids in one year. And obviously, we have to pay for this and we need supplies. So, it's so important. We're getting results with these youth. Help us so we can get these kids off the streets and they'll be productive citizens instead of being, you know, kicking up and having trouble with the with the with the police and you know having problems with with their health and getting taken away by an ambulance this is a way they can be productive citizens and give back jeffrey sitkov is my guest doors of change.org doors of change.org we will be linked to that website as we continue here on tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and we are talking about one of the most difficult problems to solve, at least it seems that way. Jeffrey Sitkoff's my guest. Jeffrey, is it that hard to solve? Because the next part of this question uh, has to do with the other, the other age range of homeless people. Uh, we've got them here in Santa Barbara on our, our main street, State Street, which is here in Santa Barbara. Um, and I am torn between what I have done. I will tell you what I have done. Uh, I have gone through my closet to get rid of a bunch of shirts that I don't wear anymore. And they're perfectly good shirts. Okay. They're obviously used. I'll put them in a paper bag or plastic bag. And uh, we have a system here, I guess, here in Santa Barbara, where if you leave it out on the curb, some homeless person will come along and take them. Yes, there are. Uh, facilities where you can go to to give them there but a lot of these folks they don't want to go to a brick and mortar building they're afraid of doing that because of what might happen inside because i don't know maybe there's a an element of fear due to their own trauma their own abuse um I, I hesitate giving money because I'm afraid that uh, they will just use it to, dry, to, to buy drugs or alcohol, which isn't going to help them. By the same token, if I don't give it to them, somebody else will. But I, I don't know. I, 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 some, some say, hey, look, if it's your intent to be kind and, and generous to them, then it's not up to you as to what they do with it. What they do with it is up to them. But it, it, I'm, I don't know. I just feel as though... Um, there's a responsibility there in that respect. If somebody's hungry, I'll go into the McDonald's, which we have, and I'll buy several hamburgers or give them the bag. Hey, here, share with some of your friends or, or enjoy what have you. And I know that's short term and all of that stuff. But what about the rest of the homeless population out there? How, how I, I realize yours is for the TAY and, and from 17 to 25. Uh, but uh, is there an effort to expand the doors of change to include the rest of the homeless population, maybe at a different facility or what have you? You know, we have a big enough issue just dealing with the, the youth. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's a couple thousand youth that are homeless in San Diego alone, the t transitional age youth, a couple thousand, right? So we got enough work to work with the, the transitional age youth. And I'll tell you something, when people give and they say, you know, what's, you know, what's the biggest bang for your buck can you get for a donation? What's the biggest, to me, it's working with the younger kids that will have a chance to break the cycle so that they can have a better life. I 
cannot work with the older homeless because they've been in it for so many years, Richard, it's almost impossible to get them off the streets. Mm. Where the younger youth, there is a chance, there is hope that they can have a better life. They're not so messed up. And so I would give, I would give the younger and, and older people, give them fruit, you know, give them apples, bananas, that kind of thing, or any kind of food. That's what I give them. And water. Mm-hmm. They need water because they dehydrate. Mm-hmm. So you give them water and you give them fruit or whatever, you know, bag of, of, of apples, whatever in the car, just give them to them. That'll keep them alive. And, it, and it's, it's more healthier for them. But as far as we're not going to expand to do the older, older, mm-hmm. you, other, you know, adults, because this is such an issue that just the youth alone is enough to deal with right now. Right. That's all we have the time to do. And that's, that's where you're going to get your biggest bang for your buck is working with these kids because they can turn their lives around. Would you say that uh, uh, the pride uh, among this, amongst this age groups, uh, 17 to 25, isn't the issue? It Again, it is the issue of trust, not pride, whereas the folks who are older, it's a lot of cases it is. There's, there's pride involved. Trust is number one. Number one. Number one is trust. Pride is not as much of an issue with this age group. You know, they, um, uh, it's the trust of, you know, and also their survival mode. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do I get off the streets? But I don't trust anybody to ask them, you know? Yeah. So yeah. they're really a conundrum. They don't know what to do. And that's why when they find us and they, you know, they're looking, hey, is this, are they going to take advantage of me? And they go in and there's 20 other kids or 30 other kids. Or we've had up to 40 kids having a good time. It's like, wow, this is actually, they're actually enjoying this. There must be something good about this. So we're focused specifically for 20 years on youth. That's it. Mm. So 20, uh, 2002 is when you uh, really, 2001. Uh, 2001. Yeah. How for your part in this, how did you personally not just get involved, but become concerned enough to get involved? You know, I, I'm the founder. So I take a lot of pride uh, and, and and I'm very proud that, you know, I was blessed to have the ability to be able to be the founder of this organization. It started it from, from zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got involved because I'm a healer by profession. I'm a physical therapist for 18 years. I had a spinal cord injury 22 years ago and I had to stop my profession. Mm. And I kept saying, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to feel, feel sorry for myself or help others? And I kept back to going to helping others, helping youth, because they're the ones that need the most help, I felt. They're the ones that no one was helping. And, and I saw that, uh, you know, I wanted to see what I could do to help youth make better choices for themselves. They're making the wrong choices. Columbine happened, the Santee shooting, all the escalation of violence. That's when I started this. Mm. It seems also that there is, and I've talked with people about this, a real issue when it comes to, uh, well, well, this is a specific area, proper nutrition. I've talked with a lot of, of health professionals and, and, and folks over the years on this program, and uh, we have talked about the fact that in order for the body to function normally, if you want to call it that, I'll just use that word, Mm -hmm. to where the brain has the capacity to process information in such a way as to be able to make uh, positive, thriving choices for the self. 
it has to take in the right kind of fuel, all right? Now, if you don't put in the right kind of fuel, and I've used this example, the human body has its own pharmaceutical company, all right, that makes all of its own drugs or chemicals. I'll call it the chemistry. If you're not putting in the right stuff, it can't make the right chemicals to give you the things that you need to function in such a way, again, that you can process information coming in through your senses in such a way that you can make sense of it, that you can think logically and so forth. Does that seem to be also a, a real issue in your, from your perspective when it comes to the youth? Because if they've left home, they ain't eating right. I'm almost certain of that. Well, I think and they're still developing. Yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Richard. Uh, these kids are on survival mode. Right. Okay? And they, they might not eat for three days. So I think it's kind of like right now, whatever they can eat to survive until they can find a place where they can trust to be able to get the services they need to be able to get off the streets. That's that kind of thing. I mean, the other, the, the other, the other stuff doing this 20 years, I never thought about that because again, these are survival kids. Sure. These kids, you know, they're blessed if they, you know, they go through the garbage cans, they find things, whatever they find food in different ways. But uh, right now we got to gain their trust. Mm -hmm. So they'll be want to say, I need, this, 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 and this, and then we get in those services and I want to get housing and we give them these services because all the kids don't want housing right away. They right. don't trust enough. Right. But, you know, so yes, it makes sense to be able to eat properly and, and you know, eventually, but right now the, the survival mode is the most important thing is just, I need to survive my life and whatever I, I eat something, whatever it is to, for, for me to be able to survive from day to day until they find organizations like ours and then they can kind of like then elevate themselves to wanting more. Jeffrey Sitkov is my guest, president of Doors of Change. Doorsofchange.org is the website. As we continue talking with him here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are talking about uh, an issue that uh, not it doesn't just plague San Diego. And I am assuming, uh, by virtue of what we've been talking about, that your organization, Doors of Change, is predominantly San metropolitan San Diego-based. That's correct until COVID. And after COVID, we've now been helping youth in 13 different states. They get to us through Facebook. They've heard about us through friends that they meet on the streets, you know, contact doors have changed. So we have kids calling us from all over the country asking us, you know, I want to find where can I sleep safe in my car? Where can I find a shelter? Where can I get medical attention? Where can I get, you know, my uh, ID so I can get a job? All these different questions. And our case manager in San Diego will talk to 13 different states right now and help youth in different areas. So most of our stuff is San Diego, but we've last two years we've been reaching out and helping many different areas. You know, that's rather extraordinary considering the fact that most people um, contracted, you know, uh, and and kind of closed off, but you folks expanded, and that is that's quite remarkable uh, during what I like to refer to as the COVID era. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, all eras be have a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> it's not permanent, uh, so we hope that uh, you'll keep that in mind. Let me ask you: uh, Do you have any? 
I know you're looking for donations, and we certainly encourage people to go to doorsofchange.org to uh, support. Become an angel and uh, donate uh, $11 a month. I think that uh, you have convinced me, and I will, uh, following this uh, program, uh, go onto your website and uh, set up auto pay for uh, a measly $11 a month. It's not much, but you know what? When you start combining it, uh, it really starts to grow. But do you have, uh, you don't, I know you're not going to name names, I don't want you to, but do you have any large benefactors uh, who are helping to support you? Yes, we're very blessed that, you know, after 20 years, people watch you, and then when they see you come through with your word and you do the right thing over and over and over, and you get the success stories, that we have many organizations that are helping us. We have, uh, we have a concert coming up that if people love music you talked about, they can drive from Santa Barbara to San Diego for Three Dog Night, which is an award-winning, they're a Grammy-nominated twice uh, group that's actually doing a concert for us on June 30th outside, so it's COVID safe. Uh, and, um, you know, this is great. They have 20 songs in the top 40. They have a lot of very big hits, you know, for our age group. Yeah. But it's the way that people can go and support what we're doing, help the kids. You're going to hear two youth speak. And the one that's going to be speaking uh, just before Three Dog Night, uh, she's amazing. Her name is Nikki Johnson Houston. She was homeless from 12 to 16 years old, twice, actually. She then went to school, went to law school, got her law degree, got her law. She has her own law firm. And last year, she was Ms. Universe. African-American, amazing. She's going to be speaking at our event to show what is possible She's a role model for ex-homeless youth. You know what I would love to see? I would love to see in the White House, in the coming years, one of your kids sitting in that position of power, knowing where they came from and what is happening to our country and our people. Uh, I know that a lot of people are saying, too, that COVID has created a lot of homeless people. Uh, because they, they they couldn't work, so they had no money, and they couldn't pay the mortgage and all of these different things, uh, this domino effect, and now they're on the streets with their kids who may be younger than 17 or may be 17 to 25. Um, I mean, it's—and it's, and I had a conversation uh, not long ago with someone who just— and I, I don't want to denigrate the, this person's perspective, but they were so wrapped in the flag, I was surprised they could breathe, saying how great this country is. And I'm going, do you not see—I wasn't trying to be totally negative, because, yes, this is a great country, lots of opportunity. But do you not see the problems? Don't blame them. Give a solution. Don't tell me that all of the homeless are mentally ill, and it's their problem, and a lot of these people don't want to get off the streets. It may be true. It may not be true, because I'm not there. What I do know is we've got some issues that we need to deal with, and we need answers, not, you know— trying to explain it away and that's why we're not helping because they choose to be there because they're mentally ill and so forth these kids that you're talking about and as i said before they are kids uh 17 to 25 tay uh transition um they need answers you said it the number one answer of course is trust i get that but they need answers they need support they need to be uplifted and not explained away. And that's what I'm hearing a lot of times when, especially politicians. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're on the streets right now 
dealing with these folks. Uh, they don't care about what the politicians say. They don't care what uh, maybe Governor Newsom or President Biden or anybody else is saying they're going to do. They need somebody to do what they said they were going to do. And that's what you're talking about. We had a 110% increase in mental health referrals during COVID. It doubled. So for a kid to come and say, I need help, that's huge. Because if not, they commit suicide. Yeah. So, you know, so we actually started a new program called the YES program, the Youth Emotional Support Team, which you give them phones, which they can do telehealth. So they can, with psychologists, psychiatrists, MFCCs, MSWs, that they can get, get therapy or get medication if they need it. Because a lot of these youth are mentally ill. They have mental illness. And so they have to be diagnosed properly, put in the proper medication and be, you know, and, and, and seen that really help themselves. And unless they do that, they're not going to succeed in life, some of them. So mm. we really have that for them available if they like it. Well, I want to let you know, folks, that uh, in addition to all of the stuff we've been talking about, Jeffrey just mentioned this a few moments ago. ago. Grammy-nominated Three Dog Night has offered San Diego a special concert of hope for homeless youth benefiting the Doors of Change Thursday, June 30th. Uh, That's this year, 7.30 to 10 p.m. There's a VIP reception at 5.30 at the Moonlight Amphitheater. It's at 1200 Vale Terrace Drive in Vista, California, which is, I believe it's a suburb suburb of San Diego. And uh, I would encourage you to go to the website, which is Doors of Change, that's plural, doorsofchange.org. And I'm sure there's a place for you to uh, get tickets. And uh, you know what? Uh, It'd be fun. I would take the train. All right. I would take the train. I wouldn't drive. I'd have fun. I'd take the train early in the morning (laughs) and I would go down to San Diego, get off there, find a way to get to uh, Vista and uh, and then get on my way to the concert. Um, uh, Celebrating this this organization, uh, Doors of Change, is celebrating 20 years of outreach. Uh, Pandemic silver linings are found in a new virtual world and for the nearly 3.5 million homeless youth 3.5 million um, i'm that's three times the number of people thus far who have died in the last two years from the virus and or underlying conditions it's just amazing so folks uh, please do what you can give what you can and participate in whatever way that you can as we continue talking with the president of doors are doors of change doorsofchange.org is the website which we will be linked to jeffrey sitkov is my guest here on tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and this is um it sounds to me because there are other communities that are beginning to Find ways to help these people, regardless of age. You have chosen and found a specific group, an age group, 17 to 25, that you're getting through to, that are getting through to, I don't even want to call it a normal life. What's normal? But to a life of thriving and not just surviving. Um 
you said that you have uh, uh, you're connected with 13 other states. I would assume that is it 13 other states nonprofits or is it with the state organizations that are there to help uh, these uh, these young people 17 to 25? No, it's actually 13 different states of which youth contact us in those communities. Right. The youth. And then once they do, we hook them up with organizations close to where they are and uh, get them the resources that they need close to where they are. Not necessarily. Arizona, Florida, could be all over the place. Not necessarily state organizations, though. No. Okay. No. Okay, so these are private nonprofit, if you will, right. who are there supporting and helping and, and also yeah. are in need of support as well. Yeah. Well, I again, I applaud you and the organization for the work you do. You've been doing it for, obviously, for 20 years. And... Uh, I'd love to see you go out of business. I really would. Me too. Me too. You know, uh, it seems as though if our, I keep hearing this, especially from politicians, uh, our children are our future. Our future is in jeopardy, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't do something pretty darn quick. Because you start seeing the older homeless people, that's where they're headed. Yeah. That 51, 51%, Richard, of the homeless in San Diego downtown, 51% were homeless as a youth. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about, and I know I realize this is down the road for many, okay? Because again, the f- number one is trust. We we've established that number one. If they don't trust you, forget anything else. All bets are off. But once you have established that trust and you've begun to uh, get them the help that they want, that they want, can you talk to me about? The spiritual growth, and I'm not necessarily speaking religion here, okay? I'm talking about soul support in terms of um, them beginning to understand who they really are and their part, and that they have a part in this society, in this population, in humanity. They deserve to be here. We want them here. And, uh, uh, you know, we're not we're not putting anything down their throats. OK, we're not no no doctrine and dogma. That's not what I'm referring to. Um, when when you get to that point, do they do they begin to feel like, yeah, I I am deserving. Their esteem really starts to come up and they start to recognize that they are important, that they, they do have value, those particular aspects. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Um, when they, let's say, they get a job and they maintain a job and they advance in their job, all those stepping stones help their self-esteem, make them feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they start saving for the first time in their life. So uh, we talk about saving quite a bit. you got to save money, you know, and so, uh, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's a process. It's remember where they come from. Some of them come from very dysfunctional families mm-hmm. that you're starting from below zero. So to bring them up and take them up slowly with trust, you have to help their self-esteem and they do that through becoming self-sufficient. They have mm-hmm. to, they have to become self-sufficient for them to feel good about themselves long-term or else they're depending on someone. So again, it's, it's, we're always about keeping a job until you get another job. Never quit a job before you're before you get another job. You know, 
but working hard, working as hard as you can, do the best you can, people will watch you. And that's what Tyler did. He worked hard, 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 and he got recognized. So all these stepping stones as, as we teach them. And, uh, you know, we're there on, on unlimited love uh, and that we don't judge them. And we, you know, it, it's, it's really, when you don't judge someone, they can be more themselves, you know? And so it's, that's how we've done this is it really it's, it's love, a lot of love, non-judgmental, and we, we accept them where they are. Wherever they are, we accept them. Right. How has the hiring shortage benefited the youth, the TAY, uh, uh, since, uh, since this whole COVID thing started? Because everybody... I mean, we've got signs outside almost every business along State Street here that says we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring, which means that they're short staffed. Is, has this helped your organization to get kids into uh, employment? I'm sure it has to some. But again, until a kid has housing, right. they really can't have a significant job because they have to clean themselves they have to be on time. They have to have an address to mail the things to. I mean, there's several things they need, but just having a, a place to stay right. is, is a big thing. So uh, once they do that, then the next step is, is, is finding a place to work or finding a place to earn how to do a trade. How you know, do you or, or go to school? Yeah. Where do these kids, uh, wh where is the housing found? We have about 35 uh, partnerships in town with organizations that are in the homeless industry that, you know, that they might be older, they might be younger, all different types. So we have, um, you know, because in the last two years uh, with COVID and all the money that was dumped, you know, into California and stuff, uh, there's a lot more housing that's available for some of our partners. One of them has 140 beds. So, you know, and that's all transitional age youth. So when we have a kid that wants the housing, we give them a call. And if there's something available, they'll let us, you know, let this kid go there because they know who we are. They feel good about who we are. And, you know, it's all, um, you know, that's all possible. Now, all the other ways of housing are we hook them up with family members that are safe. Could be grandparents, could be uncles and aunts, could be an older brother or sister that might be five, six years older than them, not the parents. That's the reason they're in this problem is because of the parents. So we never hook them up with the parents. Right. So those are some ways that they can, you know, find a place to live. Uh, also, the California Conservation Corps is one of our partners, and they take the kids up to Northern California, and there's eight different locations. They could teach them trades, culinary arts, carpentry, salmon restoration, how to do fire, uh, you know, be a fire, fire, uh, and all these things. And they teach them, and they pay them full-time, Minimum wage, but full time while they're learning. So these are just some of the some of the ways that these kids can get jobs and, and housing. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, um, if we if we start at that end of the spectrum, and we can uh, get these young people back into our uh, into our fold, so to speak, into our uh, uh, communities, not just uh, quote unquote productive citizens, uh, but that, that they want to be there, they feel like they belong and so forth, 
then I think we might begin the process of reducing uh, our home, homeless population over the coming years. But it's going to take uh, it's going to take a lot of effort on our all our parts to do that. Uh, and it, and it isn't cheap. Unfortunately, it uh, does in our society. It takes money, you yeah. know. And so that's one of the things that we're we're kind of looking at is uh, trying to help you folks to raise that money. Doorsofchange.org. That's the website. Doorsofchange.org. Uh, become an angel. $11 a month. I mean, my God, if you have Netflix, that's $16 a month. You know, I mean, come on. Well, they can just pay $10 one time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We'll take whatever you can get. That's the same way we are here with this program when we're looking for support. I don't, We'll take energetic support uh, because we can do that. But you folks, you really need. Can you take other types of donations, uh, any kind of, uh, I mean, if primarily if they're in the San Diego area, certainly. But if someone wanted to, if they had the address of uh, Doors or, of Change and they wanted to send, say, a box of clothes or socks or underwear or in good condition, say, shoes and those kinds of things, are those things helpful? Uh, not now because we have so many from people during COVID. They gave us stuff. We have a whole storage thing that's completely full of clothes and shoes and stuff. So we don't need those right now. Okay. That's why the funds are what we need. Um, you know, and again, we appreciate people wanting to help go to the concert, you know, have a great time and go to the concert. Yep. I'm talking with the founder of the organization called Doors of Change, the website doorsofchange.org. His name is Jeffrey Sitkov, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and there is a concert for Doors of Change. It's coming up June 30th, and I'm going to tell you about that right now. It's uh, with the Grammy-nominated Three Dog Night. They're offering San Diego a special concert of hope for homeless youth, and it's benefiting Doors of Change Thursday, June 30th, 7.30 to 10 p.m. There's a VIP reception at 5.30, all taking place at the Moonlight Amphitheater, and that's at 1200 Vale Terrace Drive in Vista, California. California. We certainly hope that you will make it a point to, uh, if you can't go, support them. I mean, if you can't go, buy a ticket anyway. What the heck? Uh, because we would really like to see, uh, if you've got, if you have kids, how would you feel if uh, if Jeffrey uh, was was helping your kids out instead of you? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you, Jeffrey. What I'm saying is, Let's let's not go that route. If your kids are home and they're safe and they're secure and they got a nice place to lay their head down and a warm uh, uh, a warm food or what have you on the table and clothes to wear and all of that good stuff and they're going to school, you should count yourself very very lucky. Doors of Change would like to introduce you to uh, again, of course, our president, the president and founder of Doors of Change, and just uh, and of course he mentioned some of the young people. Before we wrap up, I would love for you to give us one more success story, if you could, of one of the youth there who has uh, made it, uh, who has made it through uh, this process as we continue. And I'll also let our listeners know that since 2001, Doors of Change has been transforming the lives of homeless youth, uh, one young person at a time, originally called photo charity the 501c3 has raised over 4.7 million for more than 20 years they have helped place over 
2,200 homeless youth in safe housing and off the streets. My God, that's a small village or small town. Uh, and imagine what they are going to be able to do. Uh, you talked about, you know, doctors and lawyers and engineers and all that stuff. Who, who can you share with us before we wrap things up here? So the African-American Matt, right where my finger is, mm-hmm. Matt was homeless uh, at 16 years old because his father literally beat the hell out of him oh. for no reason. And he would do that several times. And Matt said, if it happened one more time, I know it's going to kill my father. Mm. So he left and he went on the streets, went to the shelter. Uh, we he got in our program. Uh, he's just doing phenomenal now. This is Matt. He's now graduated from University of Riverside with two degrees, computer science and engineering. He's an engineer working up in uh, Northern California now at Simi Valley. And he's doing fantastic. And he's going to be a father uh, in a couple months. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, Jeffrey, I want to thank you so much for giving us the time here on the program to talk about Doors of Change and, of course, the concert on June 30th, which we will we will make note of throughout all of our programming of uh, Tell Me Your Story here on uh, the station here, as well as the podcasts, and let people know about the concert right up to the 30th of June. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Richard, and I really appreciate it. I do have three final questions that I do want to ask you, but I want to let our listeners and viewers know that you are listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also have a 9 a.m. Wednesday broadcast that's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We're podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeart, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews and see the pictures of these beautiful people who are coming of age and they are living among us, making a difference for the better. That's what we're all about here on Tell Me Your Story. We hope that you will support the Doors of Change by going to doorsofchange.org. $10 once, $11 a month. Be an angel, uh, be a fantastic thing to do. We also ask you to spend time going within, listening to that still small voice during this, the decade of perfect vision. And with that, we go to our three final questions. And the first of those three is, who is Jeffrey Sitkov? Who is Jeffrey Sitkov? Jeffrey Sitkov is a, is a man that had a vision to help homeless youth, and we'll do this for the rest of his life so we can get kids a better opportunity to live, have a good life. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve with the work that you are doing now, understanding that you may have answered it in the last answer? (laughs) Um, My goal is to have more outlets so that in San Diego alone, we can have more of our Taking Music and Arts to the Streets programs so we can help kids in different areas more and to keep uh, showing other communities to do what we've done because it works. It's like a McDonald's template. It works. And uh, so that's what we'd like to do is continue to help more youth get off the streets. And our final question, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose uh, is to help homeless youth get off the streets. That's my life's purpose. 
Jeffrey, thank you again, Jeffrey Sitkoff, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.